We're continuing in our walk through the Gospel of Luke. Jesus has just walked, or just called, excuse me, Andrew, Peter, James, and John to be his disciples and become fishers of men. Now the ministry begins. They head out and they start going out for their ministry and they start moving to different uh, cities, different areas, start preaching the kingdom of God is at hand. And Luke now records two very important events that take place in his uh, gospel here. We're going to look at the first one this week. They're important not because of really what Jesus does, although it's miraculous what Jesus does, but they're important because they absolutely prove who Jesus is. They pr prove that he is the Messiah. We'll be looking at uh, that today we'll, with the first story, and then after Easter we'll come back to uh, the second narrative that uh, Luke gives to us. Now today, it's so amazing how God works, and, and we know this is no mistake, but in his providence, our narrative truly relates to the things that we're dealing with in our life right now. We're looking at a man who is struggling with the disease of leprosy. Now, if there was anybody who knew the, and understood what it meant to be isolated and quarantined, right? And anyone who knew how to deal with, with an illness, it was a man or a person with leprosy. And we're going to see that today as we uh, walk through this narrative. So let's walk through our narrative here in Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse number 12. And let's walk through and look at some things here. And then I want to share with you a few thoughts on how we can be truly effective ministers. We're going to see how Jesus ministers to this leper here and how he is uh, effective in ministry and how we can have that same effectiveness when we minister. But let's look through our narrative here. And beginning in verse number 12, the first part of uh, verse 12 says, while he was in one of the cities, there came a man full, full of leprosy. Leprosy in the first century was a huge deal. It was a sickness that everyone feared and everyone wanted to avoid. And they would do anything they could to avoid this sickness. Leprosy in the first century was a guaranteed death sentence. As a result, this disease caused great panic and overreaction with the people. So they were so sensitive and so worried about this sickness of leprosy that they began to see leprosy everywhere they looked. Everything wound up being leprosy. Now, this doesn't mean that it wasn't a real problem because leprosy was a huge problem in the first century. Nor does it mean that it, was, <clears throat> it wasn't as serious um, as they thought because if a person genuinely had leprosy, it did mean a death sentence for them. But what this meant was is that they saw leprosy everywhere. So much so that most scholars believe that in the scriptures when we find the word leprosy and we, we take the Greek word that is there, many scholars believe that leprosy in the first century was nothing more than psoriasis. So you can imagine any type of rash, any type of blemish, anything that was seen on the skin, immediately they reacted or overreacted to the fact that it could be leprosy, which was huge in that day because of what leprosy represented and because of the injustice that really came for having this disease. Any person that was diagnosed with leprosy or what they thought was leprosy became an instant outcast and was marked unclean. 
Immediately they were separated from the people. Listen to what this meant. This meant that they had to leave their home. They had to leave their family. They had to leave the village, the town, or the city that they lived in. They had to permanently quarantine or isolate themselves. They were not allowed into any populated areas. They could never come and see their family. They had to tear their clothes. They had to, as a marker of them having this disease, as a marker of people staying away from them, they had to tear their clothes to let people know that they were sick. And then if they walked around, because they were, they were given this diagnosis of leprosy, whether it was or not, but because of tearing their clothes, if that wasn't enough, if anybody came near them at any distance whatsoever, if they could see a person in their visual sight, they had to cry out, unclean. Un- in other words, don't come near me, stay away. That was a warning they had to give. In all truthfulness, in all reality, they were alive but they were not allowed to live. It was a horrible situation. Life for these people was very hard and unfair. They were unable to die, but they were not allowed to live either. They watched their children from a distance. They watched their husband or their wife become their ex-husband or ex-wife. They watched people prosper. They watched the world change. They watched everything go on without them. They witnessed it, and they witnessed all that happened. But they could not be a part of any of it. They were shunned. They were outcasts. They couldn't participate. And they were never, ever allowed to be touched. Now, could you imagine having a sickness that not only kept you out of society, kept you away from your family, kept you away from your children, watched all this going on, and then on top of that, you could never be touched by any other person? Many people with leprosy and many people without were thrown into this group of societal outcasts. And somehow, this leprous man made his way into the city. We don't know how. Jesus is in a city now. He's, it's a populated city. And this man comes in. He hides. He, he waits. He, he ducks behind things. He, he makes his way in all for a chance for him to meet Jesus. All for a chance because he's heard this man can heal the sick. He's heard what he can do. He's heard all of the hype about him. And so he makes his way into the city, uh, trying to stay away from people, trying not to be seen all so that he can meet Jesus. Now, Luke tells us that Jesus in the city is walking through the city. There's no doubt, wherever, remember, wherever Jesus was, a crowd of people came around. There was no doubt there were people all around him walking with him as he uh, walked through the city. And more than likely, he was probably teaching a lesson even as he walked through. And then seemingly out of nowhere, as this crowd was walking down the street or where they were going, this leprous man comes out from the shadows and he stands in front of Jesus, and he stands in front of the crowd. I figure he's probably several feet away. He doesn't, he doesn't want to come right up on the crowd, but he's, he's there, probably within 10 feet of, of where they are. And, and maybe even, Luke doesn't record this, but maybe he, he even said when he came out, unclean, i gotta, I got to let you know that I'm, I'm unclean. You know. And all of a sudden, the entire crowd stops in their tracks. All the people that are around Jesus, now everything that he's saying, everything he's doing, all of a sudden, boom, they stop. And they realize there's a man with leprosy in front of them. But I believe if we could see that picture, if we could see that scene right now, all the crowd stops. But I believe Jesus doesn't. 
I believe Jesus takes another step, another step. And he keeps coming in, in front of this man. The crowd had stopped. The crowd had gasped. The crowd was worried about what was going on. And Jesus takes a few more steps. And then we see in the last part of verse number 12, it says, And when he saw Jesus, the man with leprosy, when he f- saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. As Jesus came closer, the leprous man fell on his face before him. And I don't believe this was just a calm uh, statement that he made. He didn't go, hey, Jesus, how's your day going? I think things are, uh, mine's a little tough right now, but hey, could you make me clean? Would that be all right? Could you do that? No, this man was desperate. This man broke the law. This man broke all the rules. He, come, he came into town and he was hiding and getting away. He, he put himself in danger. He put others in danger also that he could get to where Jesus was. And look at what he says. He says, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. What a statement. What faith this man had. As a matter of fact, the faith that this man had literally is perfect faith. Despite what you have heard about faith or or you need to know uh, this about faith, whatever it is that you kind of grew up learning or knowing about faith, Perfect faith is exactly what this man had. Author and pastor Anthony Stanley puts it this way when he talks about perfect faith. He says, perfect faith is knowing God can and hoping God will. It is knowing God can and hoping He will. It's exactly what this man says. God, uh, Jesus, I know you can. I know that you're able. Will you please make me clean? Knowing God can, hoping God will. And I absolutely agree with that definition. I think that is the right definition of what faith is. But if I could be so bold, I would actually like to add one more statement to what Andy Stanley has. Perfect faith is this, and listen to to this now. Perfect faith is knowing God can, hoping God will. Now listen, and in everything, trusting God to always do what is best. You see, so often we get so uh, wrapped up and wrong in the fact uh, of understanding that, that, listen, will God or is God willing to heal? Well, yes, God is willing to heal. Does God heal everyone? Not always. It's not always His will to heal uh, the sick. He has a, a view or a vision that is greater than ours. In this case, Jesus said, I will. Yes, I will heal you. But sometimes... God says yes. Sometimes God says my grace is sufficient. Sometimes God says no because I have a greater plan. I have a greater purpose that you cannot see. And so perfect faith is knowing God can, hoping God will, and in everything trusting that what God decides to do is always best in our lives and the lives of others. And so Jesus then responding, as I've already alluded to in verse number 13, and Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Luke, again in his narrative, being a doctor, uh, just deals with the symptoms and deals with the healing. He just, just lays it out there for us. But I want you to understand that Mark in his gospel, gives us a little more information that I think we need to understand here today, and we need to see the total picture of what Jesus did in this scenario. Most scholars believe that the gospel of Mark came directly from Peter, 
that Peter dictated to John Mark, who was with Peter and his scribe, and Mark recorded and wrote down uh, everything that Peter had for him. And so the Gospel of Mark, although Mark was the scribe, really is the words uh, of Peter. And so Mark records that uh, Jesus was moved with pity in Mark chapter 1, verse 41. Some translations tell us that uh, Jesus was moved with compassion. So it's either pity or compassion. Now it's very interesting, the New International Version uses the word indignation. Jesus was indignant when he spoke to the man with leprosy. So what is it? Did he have pity? Did he have uh, compassion? Indignant means uh, a little bit of anger or, fr- or frustration in the, the setting here. Well, the Greek word that is used is a word of great emotion, and we need to understand this. Jesus had great emotion in this scenario with this man who had leprosy. The idea is here that Jesus' emotion was much deeper than just pity or compassion. His emotion was so great that it also included anger. Have you ever had compassion for someone or something or compassion that, uh, towards something that drew you not only to be so compassionate about it that your, your heart broke for it and it was, it was something that was really um, gave you passion for, but even in the midst of it, there's some anger with it? as well. Anger uh, with the situation. See, because Jesus wasn't angry with the man who had leprosy, of course. He wasn't angry at the man who had leprosy. His heart broke for the man who had leprosy. He had such love and compassion for him that he was angry for the situation. He was angry about what was going on. He was angry with the stigma of leprosy. The stigma of leprosy was so great that the people didn't, listen now, you, you need to get this, that, that, that the people did not look at this man as being a human being. They couldn't look at him as being a man. They only saw his disease. They only saw his leprosy. They didn't treat him as a human. I mean, when the man would walk around with his clothes torn and he had to call out unclean, he got dirty, vile looks and, and horrible uh, gestures and, and people just disgusted with, with seeing him and, and running away because of the disease that he had. He didn't treat him as a human. In their eyes, he was disgusting, smelly, putrid thing that they must avoid at all costs. On top of this, it was common teaching in this day that any sickness was a punishment from God. They literally believed that anyone that was sick, anyone that had any type of illness, especially leprosy, that God was mad with them, that they were uh, on bad terms with God, and God had struck them with this disease. And they believed that God hated the person who had leprosy. Now, It was one thing that the people treated this person this way. It was one thing that people treated those with leprosy this way. But it's even more the fact uh, that, and it's also interesting that the religious leaders, the religious community also treated people with leprosy the exact same way. The priests were not allowed to touch the leper. If they did, they would have to become, they became, un, uh, they became ceremonially unclean and would have to go through certain rituals to clean themselves again. But that wasn't what kept them from caring for these people. They didn't care for these people because they detested them just like everyone else did. They could only see the disease. They could only see the sickness. They didn't see the person. They didn't see the human being. 
And when Jesus saw this man, he was so overwhelmed by the circumstances that were there. He understood the culture. He understood what, what happened to this person. He understood that he was not only um, had this disease so he had to stay away, but he also was socially distant and also spiritually separated. He was in physical pain because of this. And he was a social outcast and a spiritually separated from everything that was going on. I think, quite honestly, if we could read Jesus' thoughts or maybe could, could hear the words underneath his breath, I believe that we would actually hear something like this. The, the emotion that is given here is so strong that I think Jesus, standing before this man, might have mumbled these words under his breath or, or had them in his mind or heart. This shouldn't be this way. This shouldn't be how things are. Now, not, not that the fact that there was sickness, because sickness was because uh, there was sin in the world and there was sin, but, but everything that went along with this, Jesus said there should, this shouldn't be this way. I can't believe that, that people actually treat others this way. I can just picture Jesus thinking that or saying that. I can picture Jesus saying, well, what about just simple, common courtesy for another human being? I'm not talking about over the top. I'm just talking about simple, basic human courtesy. I think if nothing else, I think Jesus thought these words and maybe even mumbled them underneath his breath. And that is this. This is not at all. This is not at all what my father wanted. This is not at all what my father wanted. And then Jesus does the unspeakable and the unthinkable. Jesus Standing there before this man, full of this emotion, angry at the situation, heartbroken for this man, does something that for us doesn't seem to be that big of a deal. But for Jesus is enormous. And we have to get this today because Jesus in this one moment right here, without even saying a word, establishes who he is. He shows that he is the Messiah right here. And here's what he does. He stretches out his hand. He stretches out his hand towards the leper. And immediately I can see the eyes of Peter get as big as saucers. I can see the other disciples standing by Jesus. And no, 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 Jesus, don't do this. What? Their mouths are open and they're, they're, they're worried about what Jesus is doing because they all knew, as I alluded to earlier, they all knew, Jesus, if you touch him, you become unclean. If you touch him, we have to go back to Jerusalem, a six-day journey. You have to go before the priest, and you have to go be ceremonial, uh, ceremonially cleaned because of this. Jesus, don't touch him. Tell him he's clean. Heal him by your words, but don't reach out and touch him. But as we know, and as Jesus did, he reached out and touched him. Now, with all the emotion that's wrapped up in this, with all the emotion that Jesus has towards this man and, and, and what we see here, I don't think it was just one finger reaching out and touching. I don't think it was just, just a, a tap on this. If I, if I was to guess, I would think that Jesus probably, he would, remember the man was on his face before him, was crying out to him, Lord, heal me. I, I believe that Jesus probably stepped over and, and picked him up. 
And I think in, in that touch of laying his hands on him, maybe there was an embrace involved, but it was evident. There was no question Jesus touched this man. Jesus touched him to heal him. Jesus did an act of compassion. I mean, for this man, this was absolutely amazing. The first time in a long time, first and foremost, he wasn't scolded and sent away. I mean, think about it. When the crowd was there, there was probably somebody in the crowd yelling out something like, Get out of here! Go away! You're unclean! But Jesus didn't do that. First time in a long time, probably longer than he can ever remember, he's been touched by anyone. Anyone coming near him. As a matter of fact, no one came close enough to ever touch him. First time in probably what seemed forever in this man's life that anyone showed any type of genuine loving emotion towards him. But that's what Jesus did. Jesus saw the man. Jesus touched him, spoke kindly to him, said, I will, and he cleansed him. He cleansed him of his leprosy. That's one thing. That's wonderful. But not only did he cleanse him of his leprosy, he cleansed him of his be- uh, being a social outcast. He's healed. Now he can come back to his family. Now he can come back to life. He cleansed him of his spiritual separation. Now he can worship in the temple. And Jesus gives him some very strong instructions. Some very important instructions here. And he charged him, in verse number 14 it says, And he charged him to tell no one, But go and show yourself to the priest, and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded for a proof to them. He told the man, Go to Jerusalem. Go to the temple. Go and and make the the offering that you need to. Go and let them see because it was the priest's job to check and to see whether or not he was healed of his disease. And the priest would check and would see, would check the skin and make sure that he was healed. And and he would offer uh, the proof of that and offer the offering that he did. Now, with this is something that we as Westerners don't understand and we need to grasp here because this is exactly why Jesus is showing who he is. He touched him was the beginning part, but watch this now. It is very important that we understand that Jesus makes a huge statement in his actions or lack of actions and silence at this point. And it's very interesting. As I alluded to earlier, a rabbi that touched an unclean person like this man was, had to go back to Jerusalem and to be cleansed. But Jesus doesn't. Jesus doesn't go back to Jerusalem. Jesus carries on with his ministry. I, I, I can picture the scene. Maybe you can get the, get the picture in, in your mind uh, this, this morning. I can see Jesus... Sending this man to the temple, yet he keeps walking the path he was walking. He starts strolling down and starts kind of picking up where he was, teaching. And the the crowd kind of follows along and he's heading on uh, in his ministry. And all of a sudden, from the middle of the pack there, I can can kind of see the disciples coming out and say, Peter, right? I I always picture Peter. But I can picture Peter running up to Jesus right over his his left shoulder there. Just kind of of his head's right right there. And he goes, "Uh, Jesus. Jerusalem's the other way. Jesus says, I know. Wow. He goes, you, you know you have to go to Jerusalem. Oh, oh, really? 
Yeah, you have, to, you have to go to, I mean, you touched that man. I mean, it was evident that you touched, I mean, he wasn't just one finger. Two, I mean, you embraced him. You, you're unclean. You have to go back. I thought that maybe not touching him was probably the better call, but, but you know, I couldn't say anything in the moment, Jesus. So, so you, you went ahead and embraced him, and I, I knew that was it. We had to go back to Jerusalem. This is going to be another long journey back to where we have to go. And, and guess what? We have to go back because not only were all these people there, but the Pharisees saw. The, the, the religious leaders saw what, what you did. So, okay, let's, let's head back, Jesus. Let's head back to Jerusalem. Let's head back to the temple so that you can be clean. And nowhere in the text does Luke tell us, or any of the Gospels tell us, that Jesus went back and was ceremonially cleaned. Why? Why is this so very important? Why in the world would Jesus tell the man to go do what is right ceremonially and him not do it himself? Is Jesus breaking the rules? Is Jesus just being a rebel? Absolutely not. He might be breaking the, the man-made ceremonial rules that were, were made there, but he didn't for one simple reason. Listen now. He didn't go back because Jesus didn't have to. Jesus didn't have to go back, and Jesus was making the point he didn't have to go back because he was not just a mere man. But he was the God man. He was making the point that not only did they have the power to heal, but that no sickness could harm him. He was making the point that he was the Messiah. He was God enrobed in human flesh. He did something. Listen now. He did something that no mere man could do. Oh, sure, there were many people in that day and age that, that did healings or miracles as they saw it there, uh, probably pulling the wool over their eyes. But Jesus doing the miracle here wasn't doing it as a man. He was doing it as the Son of God. And because of that, he did not have to go back and do the ceremonial cleaning. Because of all of this, Jesus told the man something very important. Jesus says, don't tell anybody. Hey, you've been clean from leprosy, you were on death's bed, I healed you, go back and let the priest know and be ceremonial clean like you're supposed to, but guess what? Don't tell him I did it. <laughs> How do you think you would react in that moment? How do you think you would respond at that time? Well, he told everyone. And I'm also sure that he had a lot of help because the people that saw told as well because in verse number 15 of Luke chapter 5 we see, but now even more the report about him went abroad and great crowds gathered to hear him and he healed their, uh, all of their infirmities, but he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Jesus told the man to not tell anyone, not because he didn't want anyone to know that he performed the miracle, not because he didn't want them to know that he was the Son of God, uh, because the man telling and the people telling Jesus, uh, about what Jesus did in healing made Jesus' ministry complicated. So now what happens is, and what this is saying is now, wherever Jesus went, wherever he tried to go, uh, he was so mobbed by people, he was so overrun by people that it made it very difficult for him to travel and to minister. But Luke gives us a, a little uh, snippet here, a little side note, a little rabbit trail, if you will, uh, to let us know that, hey, 
Life got very hectic for Jesus, so you know what he did? He went off by himself and he prayed. Just a little snippet for us going, hey, when life gets out of control for you and things are a little bit crazy and things are, are, are wild, why don't you just get alone for a few minutes? Why don't you just get away? Spend some time with your Heavenly Father. He'll make it all right. And that's what Jesus did when these things came. But let's not be too hard on the gentleman that was healed with leprosy. Let's not be too hard on the people that saw this. I mean, after all, if you were healed or you watched someone healed of a major disease, how could you keep it to yourself anyways, right? And so he told. Now, the main purpose of this narrative, the context of this, I believe, is that Jesus is establishing here that he is the Son of God. I believe that Jesus in this miracle is showing that, that he truly is the Messiah. But I think also for us today, there are three truths here that we can apply to our lives that can help us be the ministers that God has called us to be. Every single one of us as followers of Jesus Christ are ministers. And there's three simple truths here that we need to have in order for us to minister to one another. In order for us to minister, especially in this time of the pandemic that we are dealing with, ways that we can uh, minister. And the first is this. In order for us to be effective ministers of Jesus Christ, just as what Jesus did, we need to see the need. We need to see the need. Jesus saw the need. The leprous man came to Jesus. But before the man said anything... And even at a distance, Jesus saw the need. Now, he saw the leprosy. He understood that. But, but the leprosy wasn't the greatest need. The greatest need was that the man needed to be treated like another person. The greatest need was the fact that the man needed to, to have his uh, leprosy overlooked and he needed to be treated as a man. And so Jesus saw the need. Leprosy in the scriptures is a picture of sin. And so often we, the, the need that needs to be taken care of in people's life absolutely is sin. And it can only be taken care of through salvation. It can only be taken care of by us trusting the Lord Jesus Christ. But the reality is, is that sometimes, now hold on, sometimes we as followers of Jesus Christ, we as believers, well, we do exactly what the people do that saw this man with leprosy. We get caught up in the sin and we forget about the person. We get so focused on the sin, we get so focused on, on the way that they're living their life, the choices that they make, the sin that they're in, that we forget that in the midst of that is a real, live, human being who needs Jesus absolutely, but we can't get Jesus to them until we see the need. Until we see that we, Jesus is what we need to bring to them. To be the minister that God calls all of us to be, we must continually be looking for the needs of others. Now this is very important because you say, Pastor, I look for the needs. I look for people that are in need. Can I ask you a question? And this is going to step on all of our toes for a moment. Well, do you look for the need to find and help the need or do you look for the need to find judgment? Many times we look for judgment, not to help the person in their need. We need to look the way that Jesus did with love and compassion for the person to understand exactly who they are. And that is for us to, to see the person in the midst of this. Jesus looked past 
the sin, saw the need, saw the person, and took to the person the solution. Listen, the solution we have is Jesus. The solution we must take is grace to those who are dealing with hard times, those who are dealing with sinful things, those who are dealing with sickness and and with problems. We need to take grace to them. That grace is Jesus Christ. We need to show them love. We need to show them the truth of God's Word. We need to uh, show them how they can have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to show them that God is for them and not against them. We need to be like Jesus. We need to see the need. We need to see the person. And we need to be the solution. What would happen in our community if we as followers of Jesus Christ would look past the sin, would look past the sickness and see the need and see the person and be the solution? What would happen in our lives? How would our lives change? If we were that, let me encourage you today, see the need, see the person, be the solution, and take the grace of Jesus to this world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the truth of your word. Thank you for the ministry of the Son of God who walked on this earth, Lord. Thank you for the healing that he gave, but thank you, Lord, also that he has been the the example for us to minister and to love others. Use us now, Lord, especially in the midst of this time where people are hurting and struggling and hopes are gone and and people are concerned. Lord, let us take your love, your grace to those in our community and around the world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.